Manchester United 1, Paris Saint-Germain 3, Fred's got a red card, I've got a red face after it, and of course you're with Larry, your co-host for today, and I'm with Tom Simpson. Tom, how are you feeling after the result this morning? Cannot lie, a little bit deflated because I remember when Solskjaer first came into the job and we had that sort of 10 game run and we went into a game against PSG and were so confident and we obviously got beat at Old Trafford 2 and we came crashing back down to Worth. It almost had that, that same feeling this time. We were so confident going into this game against PSG at Old Trafford and suddenly we um, come crashing back down. So, yeah, I don't like PSG at home. I don't mind if we play, play them away in Paris, but um, I don't fancy them at Old Trafford. I feel you was, again, a result where United dropped points at home. There's something about the home form this season. I don't know if it's the fans or what it is, but something certainly not right. But anyway, Tom, there was a game this morning. Let's break it down. Let's start with the the starting lineup, I should say. And looking at it, I think there was no real surprises. I guess the only talking point that we can really look at in hindsight is the midfield. And we saw Solskjaer go with what he knows um, and what has gotten him results in the past, to be fair. He's gone with the McFred burger, which is Fred and Scott McTominay. Um, any criticisms prior to kickoff or any surprises with the lineup that Solskjaer had selected? Well, well, before the game, I was thinking there's definite possibility of him going to three at the back. And we'll get into the performance. I think we actually performed quite well. Um, regardless of the situation that arose in the second half. I think the performance was quite well, so I think Solskjaer got it right. And in terms of that midfield selection, there was no no real shock. We'll definitely get into Fred and what happened there, but no real shock. And I think he got it right. I think before we get on, because I don't think his performance really sort of garnered too much attention, but I just want to give a little bit of credit to Scott McTominay. I'm not going to say oh, he was the best player on the pitch, because obviously he wasn't. A lot of the Paris Saint-Germain players played extremely well, and we had one or two good players as well, but if the result changed, if if we get the positive result, whether that be a one or draw or even win the match, we're looking back at that Scott McTominay performance and that would be trending worldwide over the internet with him and Neymar's in his pocket and Mbappe's in his pocket. I thought McTominay, for the job that he was brought in to do, because he hasn't played for a while, I think. He's been out since maybe around the international breaks. So it's been a few weeks. And he's come back into the firing line for this game. And I thought the job he had to do, he did it absolutely perfectly and unfortunately, let down by his midfield partner. I'm with you, mate. I thought McTominay was fantastic today. And look, obviously, we're going to the three two ones later in the podcast, but I thought he really showed leadership. And I loved the fact that he wasn't bothered by Neymar. I think Solskjaer came out in the post-match, and he mentioned that at a point in the game, Neymar might have grabbed McTominay in the duels, but... He didn't go down, he didn't carry on, he didn't complain to the referee, he just smiled and went back for more every time Neymar complained. So, love to say... By the way, isn't Neymar one of those players that... You know though, when you just wish you could kick someone so bad that they just stay down and actually be hurt? I don't mean to sound, you know, so evil about it, but seriously, he carries on, doesn't he? I think so. It's one of those players that... And I completely agree, when he's on the opposition and you're frustrated, yes, you do just want to, you want to kill the guy. However, I think in both games when Neymar and Mbappe have played, while United have played well, and Neymar and Mbappe haven't sort of given their sort of the whole repertoire of their skills and haven't put a full sort of YouTube compilation performance in, but they have been good. Like, you can just tell they are quality footballers. And I remember the first game against PSG, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was saying, oh, it was the right thing not to play Harry Maguire because Neymar and Mbappe, he'll just embarrass Harry Maguire. Well, Harry Maguire's come into this game and definitely not pocketed them, 
But can you remember Neymar or Mbappe going past Harry Maguire? I thought Harry Maguire did very well against the two of them. Yep, I'm with you. I don't think the defence was bad at all. And looking at the final scoreline, that doesn't tell the whole story. But let's go into the actual match. That man, Neymar, does open the scoring with a deflected uh, a deflected shot off Harry Maguire, which falls into the path of Neymar. Look, is there someone to blame for this goal, Tom? Is that just a case of, you know, Tellez not being there or being goal side? Or is it just pure luck in the case of Paris Saint-Germain? Look, if I was being honest, I'll have to go back and watch it, but quite frankly, I don't really have any desire to. I'm sure as a as a football fan or as a manager, you can go back and you can find fault with someone as to how the chance sort of arose. Uh, from memory, the shot, unfortunate deflections fallen into the path of Neymar, and I think most people are going to finish there, at least hit the target. He hit it so hard. I saw De Gea get a little bit of criticism by the commentary team. But they've obviously never stood in goals three yards from a professional footballer hitting a ball like that so look I'm sure someone could find some blame somewhere but for me it's just just one of those yeah I found the commentary laughable by the way I recall oh shouldn't his hands be low I'm like are you seriously gonna say someone who's arguably been the best shot stopper in the world for the best part of a decade seriously anyway um, look, United did bounce back. Rashford with the deflected shot. United looked comfortable, uh, particularly going to the second half. Uh, you know, we had some promising football. Let's talk about Fred. Um, before we do talk about some key moments in terms of goals, I think Fred is just something that does have to be addressed. Tommy, first he starts with the headbutt or the head scrape or whatever you want to call it. Look, in my eyes, bloody hell, he should have been sent off. He really should have. You can't even make a case for him to stay on the pitch, yet somehow it goes to VAR, he gets a yellow card. Then to sort of go in a Fred, we're all thinking it, we've discussed it as well, and saying, mate, pull him off, he's having a shocking game, like, he was a red card waiting to happen, like, you think, he's gotten away with murder here, if you're Solskjaer, you pull him off, and then, as you know it, he he's not, a, it's not even a foul, he goes for the ball, he's unfortunately collected Herrera on the way, which, again, he did get the ball first. Herrera makes a meal of it. Fred gets sent. Please take me through our good friend Fred. Look, everyone knows my thoughts on Fred, and it is a very much a love-hate relationship, and today he's definitely fallen on the side of the hate part of the relationship. Because I said it last week. Intelligence. It's not even football intelligence, this one. This is just general IQ. He has to go onto that field knowing if he's going to throw a headbutt or whatever you want to call it, forget football awareness. He has to know VAR is a thing. He has to know there's cameras there. He has to know there's a referee there. You can't get away with that. When that went to VAR and it came back, you saw the footage, you saw the referee running over with his hand in his pocket. I, I, I was shocked when the yellow card came out. I think everyone, if Fred knew it was a red card, everyone around him knew it was a red card. I cannot get my head around it. That is where, if I'm a rival fan, I'm looking at Man United and saying, that is corrupt. Because <laughs> no answer for how he didn't get a red card there. And we're going to get into Solskjaer in a little bit. But that is where Solskjaer is obviously, and rightly so, getting a lot of criticism for the Fred red card in terms of not taking him off. However, no one sort of rose, sort of raised any eyebrows at Fred's inclusion in the starting eleven. Well, this was, in the, this was part of the start of 11. This was before half-time where Fred has done that and should have been given a straight red card. Now, if he, he gets given a straight red card like he should, is that on Solskjaer's hands? I don't think so. So, look, at the end of the day, Solskjaer does need to take some blame, which we'll get into. But ultimately, Fred should have been sent off in the first half. So Fred himself 
needs to take responsibility. And I think, weirdly, Fred is sort of getting off a little bit and Solskjaer's taking the blame for not subbing him. Well, hang on, Fred's an, an adult. Fred's a professional footballer. He should not be getting sent off in that sort of situation. And that is why, which we, if we moved on to Solskjaer a little bit, that is why he had to be substituted because he is, again, I don't, I don't want to be harsh, but he's so stupid on the football pitch. He needs to know he can't go... And as you say, it's not a foul in terms of when he gets Ander Herrera or tackles Ander Herrera. However, he's got Ander Herrera on the pitch. He's got Neymar on the pitch. He's got Mbappe on the pitch. They spent 45 minutes trying to get Fred sent off, which they ultimately achieved because they're just so clever in the way they get their body. You saw how many times did Neymar get fouled by Scott McTominay? That wasn't Scott McTominay doing anything bad. That was Neymar getting close to him and drawing fouls, trying to get him a yellow card, trying to get him a red card. And it's exactly what they're doing on Fred. And Fred just puts himself in positions like that. And while it isn't a foul on Ander Herrera, he can have no complaints because he gets sort of, okay, the first touch is a little bit poor. But he just puts himself in a position because he is so, unfortunately, I hate to use the word, but he is so stupid. And he deserved to be sent off. And whether it cost us the game, whether Solskjaer cost us the game, I'm not quite sure. We can debate that. But like I said, I, I think I am done with Fred. And I remember saying that a year ago against Newcastle. He just, I don't see how an elite team, whether that be a Premier League winning team or a Champions League winning team, can do that with that type of intelligence in the midfield. All right, well, Tom, that was quite the two-and-a-half-minute rant there. But i got to say, I agree with all of it. Um, and look, like you said, we will get into the substitutions. But first, before we get there, Tom, there is the case of an, a player who did get subbed off eventually, Anthony Martial. All right, where do we start here? Um, can I start with... Let's talk about the miss. Wonderful build-up play by United. Second half, we're in the ascendancy... A wonderful opportunity to go up after coming back from 1-0 to have the game at 1-0. Rashford plays what you'd call a straightforward pass to Martial. All he has to do is put it in the corner and it's buried. What does he do? He rockets it. Tom, what's gone wrong? Well, I'm definitely not going to defend him because he has to score. It's a horrible miss and there's no excuse. What I think has happened is, and again, it is no excuse. It's going to sound like I'm defending him. I'm most definitely not. But the pass is a good one by Rashford, but ultimately it is coming at Martial quite slow. So I think what Martial has done is he's tried to slow his movement down to try and sort of keep up with the pass, so to say. But as he's doing that, he's slowing down. That pressure builds. He sees it as an open goal. That When he's slowing down, that means he has more time to think. The pressure builds. There is a defender closing down now. The defender has no input in regards to putting the challenge in, but that is something that, that is playing on Martial's mind. So... He's slowing all these movements down. His mind is thinking about the open goal more and more. And I just think he just leans back and just gets it wrong. And look, we can sit here and say Fred costs us the game for the red card. Solskjaer not taking him off. I think there is just as strong as case. And I don't want to blame sort of individual little moments. But there is such a strong case that St. Anthony Martial costs us the game with that miss. Well, I've got to say, I mean, it was more or less an open goal, right? I mean, he puts that in any corner in the net. It ends it's, in a goal. Not, well, it's an open goal. It's an open goal. Like, even the screen. Sometimes a screenshot doesn't tell a full picture. The screenshot here tells the full picture. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, it, it was a poor effort, um, and it's a weird one because with Martial, like these are the things that we say are his strength. He's got such a strong finish on him. Is we, we remember his debut. He's just known for putting the ball in the bottom right hand corner. Is it a confidence issue with Martial? Is this a concern for you? Do you look at his performances this season thinking, 
this player's not good enough overnight. Because if you look at the commentary online, you'd think he's garbage. I think we just need to remember, like, he had his best ever season, what, a few months ago with 23 goals? No penalties in that. He had a fantastic season. And I just think, do you think it's, is it Cavani? Is it the fact that he's been moved out to the left? Do you think that's contributing? What do you think is the issue with Martial at the moment? Look, I'll get into what I think the issue is, but I think something we need to bring it back to, and we've discussed it, the similarities maybe with Paul Pogba. I think Martial just might be what Martial is. We're, we're looking to him, and, look, and I'm not saying he's an old player, but he's been around a while, but we still look at him almost like a young player. He's almost got that sort of Lingard syndrome where he's always a young player. We're always waiting for him to progress. Well, no, he should be sort of almost in the prime of his career now, almost. So he's been around a while, and I think maybe he just is what he is which we've discussed with Paul Pogba. Maybe Paul Pogba won't find that consistency. Maybe that's just not going to be part of his game. And I'll compare, and I don't want to disrespect Pogba and Martial here when I refer him to this player, and some people absolutely love this player, but I'll, maybe you could almost put them in the bracket of someone like Nani, who's just tr- absolutely got a 10 out of 10 moment in the once every game, but also has that 2 out of 10 moment more consistently. So maybe Martial just is what he is, and he's got tremendous ability and in can give you a season of 25 goals, can give you a run of five games where he scores six or seven goals against big teams. But over the course of a season, or maybe over the course of two or three seasons, he's going to go through these patches. Maybe you just won't find the consistency. We've almost seen that with Paul Pogba. So why is Martial going to be any different? I think that's quite harsh. I mean, if I... And look, we all know, he's he's my favourite player. But I just want to... If you think back to last season, there wasn't really... I mean, I recall January being quite lean for him. But outside of that, I actually thought he was fantastic last season. I don't recall any periods where I was like, oh, no, he didn't look very good today. Oh, no, he, yes. he, he, definitely. He's brilliant. But Nani had a good season here and there. And, and Nani was good throughout his time. You know, I'm not saying he was... Nani got player he, of the season. Yeah, I'm saying he was not 12 And I'm saying Martial in terms of consistency. I'm saying, can he give us three years where he's going to score 30 goals? And I'm, I'm not saying if he doesn't do that, that's a criticism. But I just think... Here's what he is. What we're going to go through these patches, whether that be a, a three week spell or a three month spell, I'm not quite sure. But I'm not sure coming into how old is he now? I'm assuming he's probably mid 20s. Um, he's 24, he's 25 this month. He is still a young player. Like, I, I, you do need to give him that, but yeah, he, he has been around a while. So I, I just have a maybe it's more of a fear than rather than a feeling, but maybe he is just what we think maybe Paul Pogba might turn out to be and just what he is. He's just going to be a very good player. But ultimately, we have seen that Solskjaer definitely wants Haaland and maybe just isn't quite the yeah, the elite striker that he, we sort of hope he's going to be. Sad times, sad times. Burnt Cranberries. Anyway, Tom, uh, we were talking about Solskjaer earlier with the substitutions. Let's come to that now. So, United are 2-1 behind. Um, Marquinhos scores... After, not long after, well, before the Fred Red card, I should say. And then Solskjaer makes almost unique substitutions. I think most of us would have thought Pogba comes on for Fred at halftime if we had it our way. We saw Pogba come on for Rashford after the Fred Red card. Not long after that, we've seen Cavani and Martial come off for Greenwood and Van der Beek. And then around the 89th or 90th minute, we've seen Agallo come on. What did you make of the substitutions? Do you think it was a case of too little, too late? Or do you see what Solskjaer was trying to do? And do you agree with the substitutions? Whether I agree with them or not, I probably don't agree with them. However, I can see what he's trying to do. When you're chasing the game and you're down to 10 men, <laughs> there's, no, there's no real right answer. 
whatever you do, it's going to come with a lot of pros and cons, probably more cons when you're down to 10 men. So I, I can see what he's trying to do. It may be a bit frustrating when you're sort of so-called chasing the game and you take two strikers off. It doesn't quite make sense. However, I was looking at maybe from Solskjaer's point of view, well, if you're down to 10 men and you keep your two strikers on the field, well, how are you going to get the ball to the strikers? You're going to need someone like a Donny van der Beek in there to help that transition from defence to attack. So I, I could kind of see that he did sort of bring Mason Greenwood on, maybe gives a little bit of legs. Not that Cavani and Martial don't have that, but I could see, and again, I don't agree with it, but I could see the thinking in bringing a midfielder on to try try and get a foothold in the game because it obviously is hard with 10 men against quality opposition. Um, the last sub, the Agalo for um, Wan-Bissaka in injury time, that's straightforward. The, the game was over. Try and just throw bodies forward. There's no issue with that. But I think he's always in, in, a, in between a rock and a hard place there. With, with 10 men against such quality opposition, whatever substitution you make, um, it's ultimately going to sort of come with more cons than pros, I think. Yeah, again, I agree with you. Tom, let's give it to you and go through our loyal fans' comments and tweets and... Well, yeah, I guess tears and two, frustrations. Two people sent in 3-2-1s and just their thoughts. Um, Josh said, think Ollie needs to take the blame for this one. Fred should have been subbed at half-time, started the second half superbly. Although you always want the team to go out all out and win, in hindsight it was a game we didn't really need to do that as a draw would have been enough. Next game is going to be extremely difficult, wedged in between the West Ham and City game. Istanbul game could come back to haunt us. Um, George given his three two ones, which we'll get into in a bit, but he's given his three points for Rashford, two for one Bissaka, and one for one Bissaka. Oh, so, sorry, Rashford three points, two for one Bissaka, and one for McTominay. Sorry, Chris Toulos says Ollie and Martial to blame. We all know the PSG um, team that try and get players sent off, and Ollie should have subbed Fred off at half time. Also, Martial missing a chance that's easier to score than miss. You miss those chances in big games, you are going to pay the price. Um, Tom Graves says some some very similar, saying Fred had a shocker early in the game, should have been subbed off at half-time, and very much Ollie in, but he takes the blame when you have Donny, Pogba and Matic who all come on before, there's a, who all should have come on before the red card, especially when we're starting to create more and more chances. Um, Michael Doyle up from the Brisbane Supporters Club said Martial could have put put us out of sight with two chances, but didn't, made Ollie's decision not to take Fred off look even worse. And Antonio said he gave his three points. He had three for Rashford, two for one Bissaka, and one for VAR for making the game more interesting and not setting Fred off in the first half, which I completely agree because I just look back at that VAR decision. I'm baffled. I, I don't understand their logic. Like, I think even if Fred stayed on the pitch for the 90 minutes, I think there could have been a case, even though they technically dealt with it, I think there could have been a case for them to go back and retrospectively ban him. I would have loved to see the market for Fred getting a red card after he stayed on the pitch. Because I'm telling you, I think most United fans felt it in their bones. He was getting sent off at some point in that game if he wasn't pulled off. All right, Tom, let's go to our three two ones. Um, we've heard what our listeners have to say. So who's your man of the match in this performance? Look, I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier that it would, for me it would have to be... Look, it's hard with the result. The, the performance looks so much different after a loss. I think even a draw, it would have been a positive sort of result would have almost felt like a win. So I think the job Scott McTominay did was so close to being absolutely perfect. I think it would be harsh to sort of waver from that opinion just because of the result. Where I think if you just look at his performance in general, I thought, and again, he wasn't the best player on the pitch, far better footballers, even in the midfield, Ferrari had a good game in there. So there were better footballers than him. But I thought he was so important to what we were doing. 
I'm with you, mate. Um, I thought McTominay was fantastic. And like you say, there are better footballers on the pitch, but you know who's, he stood tall. And I, and I don't say that because of his six foot four stature. I say that because I think if you don't have a big personality, the way he reacted to the whole fiasco with Neymar, he, he just really reminds it. He looks like a leader, McTominay, on that pitch. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about Martial's age, you know, being a 24, 25-year-old. McTominay's in the same age bracket, but he carries himself like a 28, 29-year-old. He carries himself like a seasoned veteran, a player who you look next to and you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm happy I'm playing next to him today, so I'm with you. Um, and you know what, I've got to say, I think his technical ability is coming on, while he doesn't maybe have the ability of, say, a character pass deep, into the final third. His, the way he kept the ball was very professional. And, you know, he got pressed. He got pressed. They tried to press him. They tried to force errors. And I'm with you. I thought he played really well. Uh, two points. Um, are you going to give me the honours for this one? or? Yeah, well, I was split between two. So I think I think we might be very similar in our twos and ones. So I'll throw it to you for the two points. Might be a little bit controversial. I know Rashford scored the goal today. So it's, it might seem like a no-brainer. I actually thought Cavani was really good today. I really do. Hey, look, I agree. He, he wasn't in the two. He wasn't in my two players for the remaining points. But yeah, again, and it, it, maybe it's a little bit harsh on harsh on Martial. But we are naturally going to compare the performance to Anthony Martial's performance. And look, I, I think if that chip goes in off the crossbar, we're talking man on match performance by Cavani. Because I think when you see a performance by Martial, whether you want to draw that miss into it or in his body language, whatever the whole package of an Anthony Martial performance. If it's poor like it was today, well, if it's not quite, it doesn't meet your standards like it did today, and you see someone like Cavani who ultimately didn't meet the standards by not scoring a goal, but you see how hard he works, you see his body language, you see the desire. When Martial might deep down, he does maybe have that desire, but he doesn't visibly show it. But someone like Cavani does show it. It's just a tick in the box for Cavani, and unfortunately a cross in the box for um, Anthony Martial. So yeah, I thought Cavani again shows that Weirdly, I would have been saying this a few months ago, but he's, he's our best striker. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And so, you with me? Do you think he deserves the... Well, I for my... Well, the point... The guys I had for the remaining two points were either Rashford, who I thought had a good game on the right. I know he did come off early, so whether that plays a part. And again, maybe he wasn't targeted as much, but I thought Juan Bissaka had maybe one of his better games, especially going forward. He obviously got the assist for the Rashford goal. And um, I thought Juan Bissaka had a good game. I actually thought his positioning at times was questionable. Um, I've actually been thinking about this today. I've gone back and rewatched the goals and looking at Wambasaka, Tom, this sounds so. It, it's nitpicking because I know Wambasaka is so brilliant in his tackling ability. And look, it, uh, and, in the grand scheme of things, Neymar scored two goals, but he was actually quite. He was quiet, right? But yeah. he, he, he was never goal side. I felt th- there were so many threats down that left hand side for Paris Saint Germain. And. Yes, while Wambasaka has the pace and, and wonderful tackling timing and, and ability, I think his positional play is really poor. And I thought that that actually got exposed at times in this game. And yes, he gets the assist, but if you look at the build-up to the goal, I mean, it, it wasn't an assist in the pure way like to say all Rashford had to do was tap it in. I think there's, you know, he was the pass before the goal. There was an element of luck, a deflection. So while I thought he was good, my counter-argument to that is... I thought he was okay without being great. I think what Cavani brought in terms of to what United played or how United played, on a different day, I think this is a great result for United. Because in all our negative, all the negativity we've spoken about, United played a good game of football today. And I think Cavani had a major 
major part of playing that and just his work rate alone up front, I just I thought he was fantastic. But if you want to debate me on it, that's fine. I'm happy to cop yeah, a no, loss here. Look, as you say, in terms of the, the, what Cavani gives to a performance, and ultimately it doesn't feel like a, a lot of people won't want to accept this. United played well today. And I think playing well, Solskjaer got the approach right. Whether Solskjaer or ultimately he got the decision wrong to not take Fred off, but ultimately the overall picture, he got it right. Like he did in Paris, he got it right today. It was just, as I mentioned a couple of, on the last podcast when we were previewing this game, I was saying we go into match day five in such a good position on paper, we're looking at it and saying we're top of the group, we get a point in our remaining two games, we're going to go through. However, even if we play well in these last two games, there is a very strong possibility, maybe even very likely chance, that we're going to lose both games. Because last season, we're in the Europa League, and now we're coming up against the Champions League semi-finalists and the Champions League finalists. We're supposed to lose these games. And when the group came out, Leipzig and PSG were favourites to go through, or at least in my eyes they were. PSG are by far a better team than us. I think at the start of the season, if you said who's better, Champions League semi-finalists or Europa League semi-finalists, I think a lot of people would have had Leipzig ahead of United. So ultimately, we've played well today, and we've sadly just lost to a better team. And people aren't going to want to accept it, but that could very likely happen in Germany as well next week. And Tom makes a very valid point, and by that, I'm just going to say Cavani gets the two points. One point, uh, are we saying Marcus Rashford he gets, gets the goal, or are you sticking with the Wambasaka? Now, look, I, I think Rashford, I think he played well, and I wouldn't say he's nailing down his own spot at right wing, but um, I am liking what I'm seeing at right wing. I, th- I think he's done quite well there, and I think ultimately he played well. Hopefully he isn't too badly injured. He obviously did come off early, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd settle for Rashford for one. He's doing better on the right, isn't he? I think he's, well, not perfect there. Definitely looks better on the left. Do you think it could be something that Solskjaer utilises going forward? I think he has to because in terms of, we all remember the search for a right winger that we are quite short at right wing. So he needs to find somewhere to do it, someone to do a job there. And look, I've, I've, look, I'm old school. I do like a left footer on the left-hand side and a right footer on the right-hand side. And I do like, I think it just gives Rashford a little bit more room to dribble into when he dribbles on the left. He naturally has to cut in, and that's where he, we've seen so often every second time he gets the ball, not a ball on the left, he tries that sort of through ball that's sort of curving away from goal. He's, he's sort of narrowed it. He always forced inside, where he has the ability on the right-hand side to cut in on his left foot, but more naturally to use his pace, which he pretty much nine times out of ten will be the quickest player on the football pitch. He has that space that he can use on the right-hand side. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll definitely be looking at West Ham, and this might actually be a good opportunity to get there, Tom. Uh, We've got a game against West Ham coming up, and look, it's not going to be easy. They're they're playing decent at the moment. What does Solskjaer do here? I feel like we we say this every single damn game because United just are struggling to find that consistency. But like we've already touched on, United played well today, so do you think there's... Pretty much the same. For me, Pogba has to come in, I think. What do you make in terms... I think the midfield's probably the one to debate and maybe the attacking options. Let's start with the midfield. I think the defence will be as the status quo. Who comes in for you? Well, I think it's so hard now because Fred obviously misses the next Champions League game next week. So if he's not going to play there, you think, well, he gets his minutes in during the Premier League game. So I think Fred maybe... But does then he get punished by Solskjaer for his so-called behaviour? In this game, so Fred, the situation surrounding him will be interesting. Uh, we'll get into the front line, but Cavani will he be banned by the time this match comes around? I'm not quite sure. But in terms of ah, midfield, yeah. in terms of midfield, I'm not sure. Is look, look, every time we say, okay, this is the time for Pogba to come in, or this is the time for Van der Beek to come in, 
and it doesn't quite happen. Look, I'm thinking, which I did give him a bit of a wrap in the, la- in the last podcast, I think I'll be, I'll be bringing Matic in for Fred, but then I say then, well, I'll be doing that, but then I'll need Matic away in Germany in a couple of days' time. Would I be wanting to risk him on the Saturday? So, look, again, we can all sit here and say you should do this, should do that. Solskjaer is the one who has to make the decision, and it is a hard decision, and ultimately he's going to prove to make a fantastic one, or it's going to be a bad one, and his head's unfortunately going to be back on the chopping block. I think if you're looking ahead to Leipzig, you want experience on the pitch. It's definitely the game for Matic. I think if you're going to go with... Fred's clearly shown today that, you know, I'm not, it seems harsh because Fred's played in midfield in big games before and played well. But I think you want to go with the composure of Matic in a game against Leipzig where United might actually look to sit back. And I think that with that, you can put a McTominay next to Matic to compensate for the lack of pace. But if we're looking at this week, in my opinion, I think McTominay starts again. I thought he played really well today and it would be harsh to bring him out. Whether, but I guess that comes back to... Look, personally, I'd like to see a McTominay-Van der Beek. I think that that would be effective as a pivot. Um, I, like I've just said, I, I do think it's one where you could say, yes, bring Pogba in, but maybe just didn't do enough Could you say, today. Well, where was the other day? What was the other game we actually started on a 4-3-3 with just the one sitting? What game was that? Um, well, it was sort of like that. The Champions League match um, against uh, Istanbul. Istanbul, of course. I'm just thinking, is there a situation where I, maybe I wouldn't do this, but is there a situation where McTominay does keep his spot with that attacking sort of... Oh, sorry, with that defensive responsibility... And Van der Beek partners Bruno sort of as those more two advanced midfielders. Well, that, that's exactly what I was about to say. I think that's a, I think that's what he'll do. But, but then, um, then I'd like say, to say which we're both on the same page there. But then we're both agreeing. Well, maybe Paul Pogba has to come in, and there's suddenly no room for Pogba. Look, I think it's one of, you could substitute Van der Beek or Pogba. Um, I think what Van der Beek's done in the last few games, even today when he's come on, again just shows his class. He he did, he did absolutely, and I think. With Van der Beek playing the way he's playing, I, I just don't think Pogba did enough today. Again, showed his class in moments, but that's Paul Pogba's career at Manchester United. He's all about the moments, and I think Van der Beek does start here. Um, attacking options, look, let's assume Cavani's fit so far, or he'll play, he'll be eligible to play. I think those um, ones with Cavani, those sort of suspensions where there's an FA investigation into these sort of racial incidents... They sort of seem to drag on for months. I remember the Bernardo Silva, the John Terry one years ago. It's sort of they, the incident happens. You don't hear anything for two or three months. Then suddenly there's a press release saying this player's been banned. So I could see this carrying on for a while. And I don't know, on the eve of whenever we play Liverpool or something, they'll drop Cavani for a one-match ban or something. So, look, Cavani very well, by the time they listen to this, Solskjaer, there might be a press release or something notifying the FA's findings. But I, I think he might be fit. I think the suspension might come a little bit later. All right, so he's fit. He's eligible. Just putting him in the starting lineup again. He has to look, look, and again, so much depends on what Solskjaer wants to do away in Germany. Can you play if you want Cavani to start there? Can you start him against um, West Ham? I'm not sure, but he looks fit. I forget the age. He looks fit. So West Ham's a big game. It's a game where we can move what two or three points from the top of the table um, if the results go our way. Which is crazy to think that that's a possibility, but it definitely is. So we've got cup finals every week now. It's um, as frustrating as as tense as it is. It's exciting, and and I look at that and I'll throw it to you. 
what would you rather now? Because a lot of frustra- a lot of fans are feeling extremely frustrated at the moment. What what would you rather now? Next week, going into match day six away in Germany, where you could potentially be knocked out of Europe. Okay, potentially knocked in the Europa League. Let's say knocked out of Europe. So that huge game away in Germany, or a dead rubber on a Thursday night away in I don't know Belarus or something with nothing to play for. While it is all on the line, there is something special about it. Oh, one hundred percent. Like this is what you want to be a football fan for. If your ambition isn't to be in the Champions League and performing in the Champions League and performing in these crunch games where it's a matter of life or death or progression or elimination, um, like this is what it's about. Um, yes, we get frustrated, but if United get a result next week, fantastic. We're dancing in the street, right? So I'm with you, mate. I, I don't want to see United in the Europa League, and but it's one of those ones where you don't want to see us drop, do you? You, you almost want us to finish second or fourth because you're... St- the Europa League, it says, it says the way we talk about it tells you. like It, it just doesn't have the same prestige. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at the table now. And obviously, all three, all three teams are tied on nine, so we can't actually get knocked out of Europe. If, we do, if it doesn't go our way, unfortunately, it does end up in the Europa League. We can't miss out completely. Ah, uh, so Istanbul, the gap's too big. There you go. So, United, leave it to you, please. Um, you've put us through enough already. 2020's been tough enough. Please, just get the, get the one-pointer. That's all you need. All right, Tom, um, looking at it, so West Ham, um, tell me, what's the result? Are we going to win? Are we going to lose? Look, I think, it, look, maybe it's over positive, but when Solskjaer has to win, Solskjaer wins, and I think his back is up against the wall, unfortunately, again, and I think we obviously had a, t- had a tricky result away at West Ham last year, but I can see us, I can see us getting a result. Um, it's, it's just... It's so hard. It's when it gets to this stage of the season now, for a manager. There's so many managers going through it now. When you just look at Man United, you look at Arsenal. It is so cutthroat, and one result will will prove the turning point. I think if it doesn't go our way, we can look back at almost the PSG game and the decision not to sub Fred. If Solskjaer ultimately loses his job in six months' time, we could almost look back at this period where we're coming up to as the turning point. Unfortunately, so look with Solskjaer's back against the wall. He needs a win. I think he gets the win. So if I'm going to call it, I'd say maybe 2-0 United. I like it. Three wins in a row for West Ham, but we're going to send them. We're going to send them packing and crying. That's what I like to see. manager, for God's sake. Is he? Is he? I think he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. And Declan Rice is overrated. All right, and I think that's a good place to leave the podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening to us. We'll be back with you. We'll review the West Ham match, and hopefully it's three points in the bag. Tom, as always, a pleasure. Oh, how could I forget? Guys, if you're holding your phone, please, a positive review. It means that more people get to join us in the pub. A few restrictions lifted, Tom. Yeah, well, a lot of our English listeners won't know because they're only sort of dripping back into the stadiums now, but in Sydney, we're allowed to fill out stadiums to capacity now, so hopefully it isn't too long, which I think it will unfortunately be quite a long time, but hopefully not too long until we see Old Trafford full again. All right, fingers crossed. Pleasure as always, mate, and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.